And good evening from Thousand Oaks, and welcome to the season premiere of the Coach McVay Show with Super Bowl champion DeMarco Farr. I am J.B. Long. The Rams back from a week one victory in Charlotte, 30-27 over Carolina. And with that, Sean McVay now 3-0 and in season openers. Coach, thank you for being with us. Welcome to a new season. Congratulations on the victory. I appreciate it. It's good to be on here, guys. I'm, I'm wondering how much we had to pay those players for the promo before the show. Well, thankfully nothing this year. That was last year. <laughs> we yeah, yeah we got to get some new, new, new lines. Nothing's changed in their program <laughs> no. rotation. Uh, a wire-to-wire victory, uh, one that I'm sure uh, had some easily identifiable things you'd like to correct in every phase. Yep. But nonetheless, to go on the road in week one, which is always a wild card, and never trail is an accomplishment. It is. And, and you know what I was as pleased with as anything, JB, is the fact that all three phases, special teams, offense, defense, in some form or fashion, face some adversity. And it's all about the response. We talk about that all the time. I love the way that our team handled it, uh, whether it was defense needing to pick up offense, offense picking up defense, Greg making some big kicks from a special team standpoint. So uh, it was the epitome of a team win, win, and it's the epitome of being able to learn from uh, you know a great game for us, but, but definitely some things that we can improve on and we've got to improve on against the great New Orleans Saints teams coming to town. I think I've heard this word a thousand times since last <laughs> night going into today. Rust. How do you define rust in football? You know, play, shoot, you know better than yeah. me, DeMarco. I think, you know, playing live football and, and what we decided to do, which, you know, we wanted to get to the first game healthy and ready to go. That meant that a lot of guys, their first live reps uh, in a lot of instances, that was for the first time in a few months. I think, you know, from quarterbacks seeing a live rush, running backs being able to get tackled, actually, you know, defensive players taking guys to the ground. There's a lot of things that you just can't mimic and emulate until you play real live tackle football. And there was some rust. I think that's always part of the early season thing, no matter what what and you know usually if you look at a standard approach to the preseason you end up accumulating a game's worth of snaps for those guys that are the starters anyway so uh, typically you see some of those things in that first couple weeks and and like anything else we expect to get better as the season progresses what a tough draw just defensively not to jump too far ahead I mean that offense and that guy McCaffrey I mean that's tough when you have four weeks to face them game one that's got to be hard it was and and I thought uh you know credit to the Panthers and coach Turner I thought they did some really good stuff um Christian McCaffrey is one of the most complete players in this league and you could see the the problems that he poses for an opposing defense and then obviously in addition to what Cam can do with his arm with his legs uh you know that that's a real challenge and then you look at what we got this week uh arguably one of the most complete backs in Alvin Kamara so uh two two great challenges for us specifically from that running back position out of the gate early for our defense. You already want to know in terms of the injury report, you go to Carolina in better shape in terms of your available players, and in terms of the roster coming home, it seems like only Eric Weddle is of concern for week two. He is, and and really, I think we feel pretty good about it, JB. You know, you got to go through the standard operating procedures with the concussion protocol and all those things, but he's feeling good. He was lively. I think he wanted to get back in the game yesterday, but as long as you're asymptomatic and then you go through all the things as far as just the procedures, the tests, um, you know, we feel optimistic, but but we respectfully will go through this and and be smart with how Eric's handled this week. I think all the way back to training camp in Irvine, remember noticing how many different players on defense were wearing the communications and and training in that role for all the various contingencies that can happen. And in the first half of game one, it does happen. Did you feel like you were prepared for such an occasion? I think we were, you know, because Corey had the mic last year. So it was a pretty seamless transition. But one of the things that makes Eric such an elite player is his ability to communicate and, and to be able to have a big picture understanding. I mean, you talk about a true coach on the field with his ownership, 
ownership of what's going on with all 11 on defense, understanding coverage contours, uh, blitzes, and, and how we want to be aligned structurally based on what the offense presents. He's an impressive player. I thought our players did a nice job handling a big loss uh, when we did lose him and, and seamlessly you know, kind of continuing on with the flow of the game. Corey did a great job, and then it, it provided an opportunity for Taylor Rapp and Marquis Christian to get a lot of snaps. I get the feeling like Weddle doesn't wait for you to go to him for advice. He comes to you with something. Yeah, he's he's one of those guys that he keeps you accountable as a coach, DeMarco, and that's what you love. I remember meeting with him you know, when he when he became available and you just spend a little bit of time and, and selfishly you think, man, I'd love to work with this guy because he's going to make you better as a coach. You learn from him the way that he sees the game. I mean, he really understands uh, how to do a lot of things to, to mess up, you know, the way a quarterback sees it. You can see the rapport that he and Rivers had going back to early on in his career. And then even when we got a chance to practice against those guys a couple times, two veterans that have been playing at such a high level and they're above the neck approach is, is one of the things that separates them. Um, I enjoyed talking to Philip about Eric, you know, and just some of their kind of cat and mouse game that they would play with each other, similar to what Jared and Eric did, you know, all through training camp in the offseason. The Coach McVay Show is presented by In and Out. That's what a hamburger is all about. With Marco Farr, JB Long, and the head coach of your Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay, who improved to a league best 14 and 3 on the road since Sean McVay arrived, plus a win in London, plus a win in New Orleans, the NFC Championship game. I don't want to gloss over how difficult it is to have sustained success away from home in this league. And it's something that your group is going to have to embrace and do well again this year as they travel the most miles in the NFL. All right, we love that. And and you know what? Um, our guys, it's a real credit to really our players' ability to just lock in and focus on the task at hand. I think really you can't understate the importance of Reggie Scott, Ted Rat, those guys being able to really educate you know myself and, uh, and our players on, all right, what's the most seamless way to handle what's really a 10 o'clock kickoff in our head, you know, on a two-day trip, you know, to get, a, you know, all up on the circadian rhythm and some of these things that I never thought I would know about that I do now. So, um, you know, we've had these experiences, and I think most importantly, it's a credit to our players and our coaches' ability to be ready to go. And, and ultimately, these the, the players are the ones executing on game day, and for them to be up, ready to go from the jump, um, you know, you can't say enough about them. You lost me at circadian. <laughs> hey, yeah. I'm gone. To, that's how I feel, man. I don't know what the heck's going on. I just follow what people tell me to do. I, it's, but, I mean, any challenge, I mean, it's, it seems like you guys can relish any sort of moment no matter where you play. You love the challenge of going on the road and being successful on the road. Yeah, our group has really handled it really well. I mean, when you when you talk about that record, it kind of speaks for itself. But it's really just about locking in and, and just you know being in the present and and being being able to just handle whatever challenges that we have. And I think you talk about it. It's really you know let's let's just handle whatever is asked of us. And we're not going to make any excuses whether we have to travel or not. It's still about playing football, executing, and doing the little things that help separate you to ultimately come away with the win at the end of the day as a team. And it was hot as tight underwear out there. Yeah. <laughs> How hot is tight I, underwear? I, very tight. I've never yes. heard that one before. So tight, I needed to, like, I, you know, just <laughs> there, tight. There you hot. go. I mean, it was warm. I mean, that, that. do you think that affected the game? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I, anytime that you're playing that many snaps, you know, it's one thing even if you're playing in the preseason, and especially for us, that's where there was some benefit, maybe even just from a mental approach of getting to go out to Houston. We got a good workout in. But to truly mimic and emulate 70 snaps on each side of the ball, the tempo, you know, because, you know, I thought Carolina's offense did a good job in some two-minute situations they went hurry up a little bit and then our offense as well so to be able to play that fast and uh within the framework of just the given play clock but when you're going snap after snap that is exhausting and you're seeing a lot of really good football players that you know early on in the season there was there was definitely there's some some effects of that weather for sure how many ivs 
That's a good question. You have to ask Reggie Scott, but I know that we were missing some key players and some uh, important moments that I was wondering how long these IVs take these <laughs> yeah. guys to get them back on the field. Yeah, maybe an angle situation where right. Malcolm Brown was nowhere to be that found. That is very true. You, you noticed can... that one. Malcolm was nowhere to be found. Brandon Cooks had to take a little bit of a breather. Right. It must have been, uh, you know, Malcolm's veins must not have been working with us because he was gone forever. <laughs> Either that or he had to use the bathroom. I don't know which one it was. One of the two, right. <laughs> In terms of uh, film, like we appreciate how much work you get out of these joint sessions yeah. uh, with the Chargers, with the Raiders, your scrimmages internally, but in terms of teaching off of film, is there anything like week one? And is that why the old adage goes that the team makes the biggest jump from week one to week two? That's the that's the hope. Uh, there's nothing that you can truly mimic and emulate, you know, other than real game situations. And, you know, I said it yesterday, but, mother, you know, repetition is the mother of learning. And to be able to get live reps against different defensive structures, different offensive structures, some of the new things that maybe we've tested out and, um, you know, you get a chance to learn as a coach as well, you know, because it's all about us providing clarity for our players and being able to get those reps on tape. You know, we learn just as much as our players do. Uh, we, we continue to try to emphasize the ownership from them, and that's what's most important. And I think uh, the types of players that we do have on our team, really in all three phases, you know, that's, that's the goal, and that's what these games provide an opportunity to continue to do. All right, just getting warmed up on the season premiere of the Coach McVay Show still to come. The game-winning touchdown toss between a couple of players who received contract extensions from the Rams before heading to Carolina. And how about the week for Corey Littleton, all he did defensively to contribute to an opening win over the Carolina Panthers. Plus, your questions in a segment we call Audibles back for 2019 and back after this for segment number two with the head coach of your Rams, Sean McVay, on ESPN LA 710. Play clock at 8 as Goff takes a shotgun snap. Looking left all the way. He throws to the goal line. He's got Tyler Higby. Touchdown, L.A. Goff and Higby with contract extensions this week connect for the score. With 6.37 to go, it's 29-20, L.A. And that would prove to be the game winner for the Los Angeles Rams, the 2019 Week 1 opener over Carolina with DeMarco Farham, J.B. Long, and Sean McVay is with us from Cal Lutheran in Thousand Oaks. Glad you are, too, on this Monday night. We're keeping an eye on Monday night football. Uh, your next two opponents, Coach, are both playing Monday night football in these coming weeks, the Saints here and then Cleveland in New York next week. So uh, thanks for giving us some of your divided attention. Yeah, let's just there say. you go. We don't expect all of it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's good to be here always after a win, too. All right, let's dig into the offense a little bit, and why don't we start with that touchdown toss. I mean, some beautiful symmetry with the way the week went behind the scenes here, getting the contracts done so that Jared Goff and Higby are a part of your intermediate and hopefully long-term future, and then they ultimately connect on the game-winning score. They did. It was a big-time play, and that was exactly why we ended up calling that play, because they both got extensions this week. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, it worked out great, you know, and, and it was a big situation that we needed to have on a second down, and um, you know, Jared did a good job. He progressed past his primary, ended up sitting on his back foot. Higby tight turned, you know, basically a little stick route in the end zone. And, and those are the things that happen quickly down in the red zone. Everything happens a little bit faster. So your timing, spacing and rhythm has to be on point. And, and both those guys did a great job making an excellent play that ended up being the difference. Now behind the scenes, I, I just want to point out, we talked about this a little bit tangentially already, but we see Malcolm Brown, like jogging out of the tunnel in, in a situation where Todd Gurley has gotten you down the field, gotten to that situation. Daryl yep. Henderson, makes his debut, yep. runs for no gain, and, and 
and we ask out loud, would Sean consider taking a timeout here to maybe get Todd a, a breather and in, or maybe Malcolm would be ready? And before you know it, that touchdown happens. Yeah, no, it was it was a good job by Jared, kind of getting everything coordinated and making sure that you know Daryl understood exactly what to do in those situations. You know, and um, you know we have confidence in those guys. You know, certainly Todd and Malcolm were were the ones carrying the load yesterday. But in an instance where Daryl had to go in, um, there wasn't any hesitation on our part due to the confidence we have in him. I, I thought Malcolm, like we said, uh, is a hammer. I mean, what a blessing for you. I mean, how blessed are you to have Todd Gurley top end back and then to back him up, Malcolm Brown, who won't turn down a challenge from anybody in the other color jersey. He had some tough runs yesterday, DeMarco. I mean, you talk about 11 carries for a hard-earned 53 yards, breaking tackles, good ball security, you know, especially so many of those down in the tight red area uh, where he's able to punch in two touchdowns and then get us tighter. You know, the sudden change where he had the two back-to-back five-yard carries was outstanding. Uh, good blocking up front, but, you know, he, he did a really nice job. And, and really what people forget is, you know, CJ came on and did such a good job, you know, when, when Todd was a little bit banged up at the end of the year but Malcolm really as a guy that was spelling Todd early on did such a great job and we were really bummed to lose him in the Detroit game last year so he's a guy that's really when he's given his opportunities has demonstrated that he's more than capable and I think yesterday was was another chance to prove that and, and he did a great job but it wasn't a surprise to any was of us the second one was the walk-in touchdown mm-hmm. the second that, one that, that disappoints me you should be running over people you know it should it's be great blocking up front they played everybody tight inside their gaps and he read it out the right way big wit secured the edge and he walked in he blocked the world come on there you go that's right you talk about losing him in that detroit game you almost lost him to detroit this off season Ah. when they give him that offer sheet how easy was that a decision for this organization to say not a chance we want him back yeah it was pretty easy for us just because of what he's meant to us and you know what else you you don't talk about is is what an intricate part of special teams he's played over the last couple years but he's gotten better and better i think you know he truly has developed himself into a complete back that can really do everything that we ask of him and and to see you know to have like you mentioned to have a great player like Todd uh, who's been an all-pro player the last couple years and then to be able to have somebody step in like Malcolm who we think is a starting caliber back is, is a real blessing for our group. So you know the narrative that's been there all off season, and I think we get that first look at it in week one and everyone says okay well that's what Sean McVay and the Rams need by load management for Todd Gurley or whatever program it is that that he's on. Yeah. Is that is there some semblance of truth there, or is it more nuanced in terms of feeling out how a game goes and how your backs match it? That's what it is. It, it, more than anything, it was just the rhythm of the game, JB. Uh, you know, to say that we wanted to come out of that with those guys basically getting close to the same amount of carries is, is not the case at all. And really, it, it's our job as coaches to feel the flow of the game. And uh, if you said in an ideal situation, did you envision not getting that many rushing opportunities off in the first half? I would have said probably not. You know, uh, you always like to try to have some sort of semblance of balance but it's it's most important is our job as an offensive coaching staff and offensive players is to move the football and score points however we do that but it was more a product of just kind of the flow of the game uh it happened to be Malcolm's drive in that situation that we decided on and and he uh you know he ended up making it count damn Cooper Cup is good he is good. Yeah, good to have him back. It is, you know, and really the stats don't do him service for what a, you know, I mean, you look at Malcolm's touchdown, watch Cooper Cup cutting off Brian Burns on the backside, first round defensive end out of Florida State. I mean, he, he does some stuff that, you know, obviously shows up in the stat sheet, but just the crunch time plays that he makes, you know, some of those crucial known passing situations, but with or without the ball, what he adds to our receiver group, to our team, and it was it was great to get him going a little bit yesterday. And you get him going on the very first play. Maybe yeah. we can talk
talk about this approach in general with going some 10 personnel and just starting with eight passes through the air. What made you want to begin a new season and specifically this matchup with the Panthers that way? Yeah, it was just the, the decision that we felt like going in the game. We wanted to be able to try to get into a rhythm and, and, and get some completions off the bat. Started out in some empty formations and, and went quickly right went quick right off the bat. And then, you know, it was a good mix of 11 and, and 10 personnel, like you said. And, um, you know, that was just the approach going into the game against Carolina. And, and we'll see, uh, you know, where it's always exciting to kind of see what we think is the best way to activate whether it be personnel groups or certain concepts going into New Orleans this week. So when you get into the half, I don't know if someone passes you a box score or whatever, maybe you've already kind of recognized, hey, Brandon Cooks is too good to not be involved in what we're doing here. Yeah. Like, where does that dawn on you? we got to start there with back-to-back seemingly the same play to get him going. Yeah, you know, it's something that you always want to try to get your playmakers involved, and that's something that i got to do a better job of, really, you know, as a whole, finding a way to, you know, distribute the touches, you know, between our backs, all of our receivers, our tight ends. we got a lot of good playmakers in one ball, but, it, you know, that's a great challenge. You know, those are what we call positive problems. <laughs> so uh, it was something that we felt like we wanted to get him going a little bit, get him a couple opportunities, and really he had the one, that was the only plus 25-yard, uh, you know, pass that we had all day, and then he ended up following it up in a very you know really the same concept like you mentioned JB on a 15 yard play but both of those against a good corner and Dante Jackson that that you know demonstrated why he's one of the better players you know at that cornerback spot but Brandon was able to win get inside and dele- and Jared delivered two good balls to him maybe I'm crazy I, the O-line and Jared I, I like it when it's tough when they have some rough patches and they have to fight their way through I mean a perfect passer rating how do you get better and learn from that but I, I like it when you make mistakes and have to come back and fix it and come back out the next drive and make something happen. No question. And that's that's part of the game. I mean, that's inevitable that you're going to face some adversity and the, the people that have the ability to respond are usually the ones that are successful over time because if you can't handle it, then this probably isn't cut out for you. And that's one of Jared's best traits. I thought our offensive line really as a whole was outstanding throughout the day. I mean, you talk about we had the one sack, but that was more we got flushed and, and on the first drive. But, you know, the line protected really well against a formidable front. You know, they created some great space, you know, to rush for 166 yards. So, you know, when you look at them, you know, the, the offensive line got a game ball. And I thought, you know, really Coach Cromer did a great job making some in-game adjustments. But those two young linemen, you know, for their first start on the road in a hostile environment against a team that's, you know, notoriously been really good on defense. I think Coach Rivera does a great job. I think that's a real confidence booster for Brian Allen and Joe Nopoom to go into, you know, what we know is going to be a great challenge this week. All right, we'll take a break here on the Coach McVeigh Show. Come back and talk some defense, including Corey Littleton's big day. That's as we continue from Thousand Oaks with the head coach of your Los Angeles Rams on ESPN LA 710. Snap back from the 36. Four-man rush from the Rams. He throws. It's intercepted at the 45. Corey Littleton down the left sideline to the 10. Shouldered out by Cam Newton. Littleton started the game with a forced fumble and a recovery. Now he's got an interception. All right, we continue with Sean McVay, DeMarco Farr, and J.B. Long. And where might the Rams be without those three takeaways yesterday? Corey Littleton responsible for a couple, including that second-half interception. Uh, He picked up right where he left off for you, Coach. I mean, just has an unbelievable knack for finding the ball, whether it's in the air or on the ground. Yeah, no, he does. And he's really been that for the last couple years. And I thought, uh, you know, especially the first drive of the game to even force that fumble where, you know, they had a play and and he ends up kind of getting D.J. Moore stood up on the sidelines. And you talk about, we call it a jab tackle. And it was a perfect example of some of the stuff you see him working with Joe Barry, you know, and some of their individual drills. And then the practice performance translating to game reality makes a big pick that we just heard 
Pittsburgh right there where he's dropping as a hook player in one of our three deep structures. And, uh, you know, he was all over the place in the run game. He was everywhere, and, and uh, that's why he got a game ball. I hope he gets player of the week. He did, yeah, Hell he did. Stat line. Game yeah. ball, player of the week, however you want to look yeah. at it, that's what that means. Uh, tremendous. I mean, uh, but uh, for your first time out defensively, I mean – Okay, McCaffrey aside, you got the win. That's the most important thing. Yep. Yeah, that's what you want to build off of. Absolutely. And and for Corey to play the way that he did with, uh, you know, being at such an important spot on our defense, uh, you know, it's a real credit to him, you know, to be able to account for two of our turnovers, to make a bunch of different tackles. You know, Coach Barry had him tagged for, I want to say, about 15 tackles. You know, if, if uh, Coach Barry's taking the stats, we're in good shape. Man. No doubt. <laughs> and uh, you might want to block Dante Fowler. I'm just, I'm just saying. Those were the two. You yeah. mentioned it. Those are the two guys that got the game balls from defense. And 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 really, when you look at what Dante meant, you know, he had about eight hurries on the quarterback. He gets two sacks, um, you know, on on a couple great rushes. And I thought he consistently applied pressure. You know, one of the plays that you know didn't go unappreciated by us, but kind of sometimes can get you know lost in the shuffle is when we got the penalty on Marquis Christian. He ended up drawing a holding call on that rush, which was a big offsetting penalty, making him replay the down. And you know, it would have put him in some favorable position. But you know, another big time play by Dante and. He consistently showed up, and he's got some swag on his celebration, too, where he's showing some nice flexibility in his hamstrings. What is that celebration? I don't know. You have to Dust ask in him. his shoes? And he looks yeah. smooth doing it. He way. Does. I, I don't know that me and you could do that one. <laughs> I, I, know that, I know I could. I know the defensive tackle to my left will not disagree with this, but there has to be some way to account statistically for what Aaron Donald does to forklift a left guard and a left tackle clean out of the way so that on that stunt, Dante can get there untouched. You mentioned it. You know, you know, know, And in a lot of instances, that doesn't go – I don't know what's that, you know, an assist or or whatever, but uh, you know he he certainly did a great job getting vertical movement right there, getting the guard and tackle on on really different levels, and, and that enabled Dante to come underneath clean on the on the little te game, and it was it was awesome by Aaron, and and uh, I know Dante appreciates it, no doubt. Uh, look, there was a time when I saw three guys touch Aaron. The center of the guard and the tackle. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? That's a lot of attention. So if you're getting single block, you should win. That's the goal, and and when you've got a player like Aaron, he he dictates and elicits a lot of different responses and 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 some you know protection schemes that people tend to get pretty creative. But I think that's uh, that's flattering to Aaron, and and you can see why they do that. In terms of tackling issues, I think every team goes through this week one early in the season. But how much do you attribute to McCaffrey just being elite? You know, being hot, being sweaty, being tired, being not necessarily used to tackling in six months, and then how much is flat out needs to be fixed week to week with the Saints coming next? I think it's a combination of both. Uh, I thought we tackled pretty well early on in the game. Really, as the game wore on, I didn't necessarily think the missed tackles. I thought it was a combination of some great runs by Christian McCaffrey, and then you know you get a little bit tired. You know, you talked about the heat. That humidity is a different element, and when you're going fast, you know, really the majority of our missed tackles came in that two minute drive. Uh, you know, where they ended up scoring a touchdown there, and uh, it, I think it was a combination of some things that we can clean up you know let's continue to get um, you know our game legs underneath us or however you know just getting into game shape and then you know there's an element of you got to say shoot that guy's a pretty good mm-hmm. player that we were trying to tackle there no doubt uh, Sebastian Joseph Day got his first start was he did there? yeah he did a good job it was you know his first game action first game that he's up and active and, and you know got involved and, and did some good things from the nose spot and we're looking to see him improve you know going into next week he's the head coach of the Rams Sean McVay with DeMarco Farr I'm JB Long this is the season debut of the Coach McVay show live from Thousand Oaks. Touch on special teams a little bit here as well. I mean, because there were some miscues, it almost makes you appreciate all the more how irregular it is to not come away, forget even, but with a win in that phase of the game. 
Yeah, it really is, and and it's something that we certainly don't take for granted. I think John Fossil and Matt Daniels do an outstanding job, and, and the core that we've had when you look at Johnny, Greg, and Jake, uh, very important. We've got some younger players that we're still getting acclimated to playing some very important roles for, specifically in our punt phase and um, you know some of the return elements, but but those are things that we can't wait to go to work, You know, fix the, some of those things that we didn't do at a high level and then see if uh, it translates to a good performance going into week two. Some of those rookies oh, you mentioned yeah. real quick, Rap, Scott, Patrick Reeder Edwards all making their NFL debuts on special teams and then a whole bunch more who have been around this uh, franchise for a while but are essentially seeing live action for the first time in that context go ahead I, I just love watching rap play it looks like he's not a rookie you know what I mean the yeah. way, his demeanor but I uh, just uh, do you simulate that in practice like we got a punt blocked we're on the goal line we got to stop him do you simulate that stuff? We try to simulate some sudden changes. You know, you get into a little bit more of a rhythm once you get into the normal flow of a game week where you're going through your Wednesday, Thursday, Friday preparation. Uh, but those are things that you always try to make sure that you're creating stressful moments in those practice settings with the sudden changes that can occur within, you know, a normal game like that. So uh, to answer your question, I would say a lot of those come up a little bit more often in some training camp settings, but that's definitely something that we've looked into and we talked about it today as a staff, actually. All right, coming up next on the Coach McVay Show, what books has Sean read over the summer and what would he recommend related to leadership? We'll let you there think you about that during this commercial break. And who wore it best, Cam Newton's hat or Jared Goff's shirt post-game from Carolina? That's ahead in audibles, contributions from our audience on ESPN LA 710. All right, your contributions from social media straight to the head coach as we continue with the Coach McVay Show. DeMarco Farr and J.B. Long. And before uh, summer vacation, what little of it you had is too far in the rearview mirror. I know you're an avid reader when you can can yeah. be. Uh, Brian asked, what books did you read and what would you recommend, especially related to leadership? Yeah, uh, so I got from from Tomego Collins a, a great recommendation, a book called Trillion Dollar Coach. It's about Bill Campbell, who he was the head coach at the University of Columbia and then transitioned into working, um, you know, with, with you know, Apple, Google, and, and, and he really worked as an advisor to a lot of these companies. He's since passed away, but it's basically about how he led transition from being a football coach where then he ended up being a coach kind of in the business world, um, you know, specific to some of these tech companies and, and things like that and, and how important, uh, you know, he what an important role he played in the development of some of these companies as he transitioned later on so a trillion dollar coach you know because he was you know a coach for a lot of these multi multi-billion dollar companies but uh it really goes back to the emotional intelligence the ability to connect with people foundationally everything starts with building and developing relationships and then how you can have honest dialogue with people but if you've at least got that foundation of a relationship uh it's much better served to you know to be able to you know enable yourself to communicate information that isn't always easy to communicate as long as people know that you're coming from a place of love and um you know it was a great book i enjoyed it can i tell you bill campbell was my uh grade school flag football coach is that right hey, you know the they mentioned guy? they wow. mentioned that he was a you know so when was this oh uh, i don't want to give away dates but when i was <laughs> when i was, was this, in elementary school was jim be- campbell his son yeah was was my flag football is that is smart so yeah. did you read the book i haven't it's in my queue now though thanks to it's, you it's trillion a good dollar book. coach yeah trillion dollar coach he sounds like a heck of a guy you know and uh 
you know, I, I think there was some authenticity to him. I think there was some toughness. But most importantly, you know, you talk about a guy that loved people and was invested in helping people grow. Uh, that's what it sounds like. And, you know, uh, I think in a lot of instances, it, it's a great representation on what real leadership looks like. And, and in a lot of instances, hopefully, you know, the way that people that have been with him would describe him, that's what you want to, you know, hopefully be described as as a leader. Do you like being a leader? Do you I like love being it. the guy out in front? Yeah. I, you know what? I don't necessarily know if it's being out in front. I, I, I look at it more than anything as being blessed to have a platform to hopefully influence and affect people in a positive way. Um, you know, I think sometimes, you know, it's it's one of those deals where I've, I've heard this said before. You want to be real. You, you can have bad moments, but never bad days. I think there's a level of responsibility that comes with being out in front. But but that's something that you certainly cherish. And, and it's a blessing for me uh, to say that it, it, it doesn't get tiring and things like that uh, wouldn't be totally honest. But to say that I don't love it and, and enjoy the challenge of it is is absolutely the truth. All right, all trillion-dollar coaches have to make uh, tough decisions in real time. You were faced with plenty of them yesterday in Carolina. <laughs> I Laura. wish I was a trillion-dollar coach. <laughs> yeah, if I was a trillion-dollar coach, I wouldn't be doing this show right yeah. now. <laughs> Keep winning. But, it's, I'm just but then what would Cooper Cup listen to? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, then what, who would have their favorite? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Laura asked your uh, reasoning behind calling the two timeouts at the end of the half, trying to uh, take Carolina out before the break, knowing you were going to get the third-quarter kick. Yeah, more, more than anything, confidence in our ability to get a stop and see if we could get a chance to try to steal some points at the end of the half. So uh, obviously that backfired. Uh, credit to Carolina, but uh, in hindsight, you know, you always want to learn from it. But the thought process there was our defense had been playing really well. You kind of go back and forth when it got to the third down and five if you want to use that second one, um, you know, because it, they were at second and 17, and then they ended up hitting the trap for a 12-yard play, which got them to third and five. And I was kind of in between, but, you know, gut, in, gut instincts, you felt like, all right, I, I feel confident we're going to be able to get off the grass and wanted to see if we could get an opportunity but um clearly that uh, that wasn't the best decision in hindsight but it was that was the reason for it uh brent and frank both curious about greg Gaines's status what went into having him inactive against christian mccaffrey and the panthers and then knowing that camara is next is there going to be a similar thought this week ahead you never know uh, you know the the inactives it's always a tough decision you know, especially when you got to figure out all right which seven guys when you're when you're a healthy team uh we just decided to go with you know those five defensive linemen you know up and and I think it was more of a credit to what those guys have done. You know, when you look at uh, Tanzel Smart and Morgan Fox behind our starting three and Aaron Brock and, and uh, Sebastian. So wasn't anything that Greg hasn't done. Uh, that certainly doesn't mean that he, he doesn't have a chance to be up and active this week. It's really more predicated on, all right, which personnel groupings, what's the game plan, and what do we think the best way to defend against the Saints will be? Any thought on the defensive line there, DeMarco? I was just, just going back to that right before half. Had you got the ball back, had you got the stop, how much time do you think you would have had? Uh, 45 seconds maybe? Yeah, you know, so, yeah and, and, and I think really it depends on where do you get it, and then that then dictates you know what your approach is because we did get the ball coming out of the half. Uh, but it was, more than anything, it was let's give ourselves a chance to at least make a decision on how we want to approach it based on the confidence, our, the way our defense had played. Because really you look at it, that drive ended up representing the first points of the half for Carolina. So our defense was playing really well. All right, here's the one we've all been waiting for. Sergey Sir with the uh, creativity here. If Cam Newton's hat and headgear got into a fight with Jared Goff's shirt, 
Who do you think Jimmy Buffett would be rooting for? And also, is Jared sure to sneak preview at next year's uniforms? I have no idea how to answer that. Uh, I'm not sure. I, di- I didn't see Jared's shirt, but I'm sure it looked good. Uh, you know, Cam is also known to be pretty swaggy, so I'm not sure what Jimmy Buffett would say. But I think he got two quarterbacks that probably both you know looked good and weren't afraid to take some chances. Yeah, Jared went with kind A of chance. like the uh, black Hawaiian button down, yeah, short sleeve button really? down. Yeah, Jimmy What'd Buffett you style. Yeah. Uh, I am no one's fashion critic. Uh, I will be the first to say that Jared, especially with that contract extension, can wear whatever he wants. Look good on him. Did did you like it, DeMarco? It looked good on him. Would you ever wear it? Uh, No. Uh. (laughs) No. Forced to choose Jared or Cam. Jared, I'll go I with Jared. Takes yeah. the post-game podium. I don't know what the um, what, what the thing with Cam and the the scarf around his head. Did you see it? I did not. Yeah, you don't want to. Yeah, trust me. If we'll I did, it. I wouldn't say I did. So <laughs> I don't have to talk about it. <laughs> Back to uh, your comfort zone, football and there the Saints, and our uh, final stop on this Coach McVay show, live from Thousand Oaks with Demarco Farm, JB Long. So glad you're with us on a Monday night on ESPN LA Seven Ten. And as we watch Alvin Kamara and the Saints play into the fourth quarter against the Houston Texans on Monday Night Football, reminded of uh, all three trips we took to the Superdome last year and what a home field advantage it is in the Big Easy for the Saints. And spinning it ahead to this weekend with the newly renovated Coliseum, uh, we hope you'll join us there. Sean, what would it mean if uh, Rams fans can kind of turn the tide on that rivalry and provide some noise of their own? Yeah, it'd be great. And and really, that's what that's what we've gotten the last couple of years. Very appreciative of it, and looking forward to you know hopefully continuing on with the you know the last time we were there was was Dallas in the divisional round and what an atmosphere that was. And really can't wait to see what uh, what what we have in store for uh, for the Saints and everybody you know come Sunday. And and I know that the fans will turn out and it's much appreciated from us another game or can you call it a rivalry I think uh, this is a great football team that we're playing I, to say a rivalry you know every single game is so important to us week in and week out and this represents our second game DeMarco and, and it's against a team that you know they were the, the one seed in the NFC last year uh, great football team really no weaknesses uh, in, in any one of their main three phases and uh, you know we certainly got to be ready to go and, and play a great game to be able to win I know we're distracting you a ton here tonight and making you answer our silly questions, but impressions so far since it is the rare occasion where you're watching your next opponent over our shoulder? They look really good. They, you know, I mean, you see physical defense. You see playmakers on offense. Obviously, Drew Brees, first ballot Hall of Famer. And then you look at the versatility from an Alvin Kamara, and you see why Mike Thomas is uh, you know, one of the best receivers in this league. And, and I think Coach Payton does an outstanding job leading the way. Uh, they got problem you know, type of situations that they can present on special teams. So uh, they're one of the best teams in this league league over the last handful of years for a reason and that's why we got to be ready to go they got to play you too uh, that's yeah no we uh we're very confident but we're respectful and and we know that uh for us to be able to come away and accomplish our goal of getting a two and oh we're gonna have to play really good football and we're gonna have to improve on some of the things that we didn't do as a as a team last week and, and that's what's exciting and that's what you love so much about this game where do you come down in terms of the motivation and how it plays into an NFL Sunday? Is there such a thing as payback or, or wanting to get something right from their side? And how does your group feel about welcoming the Saints after all that transpired last January? Yeah, we, we look at it as, you know, you take it one day at a time and you got to do certain things to be able to execute at a high level to win football games. Um, you know, motivation, the motivation is is to play as, as well as you can for your teammates, uh, for everybody else. And, and ultimately it's about us, you know, doing things together as a team, playing to the best of our ability and and hopefully having a great week of preparation so that it can lead to these guys going into the game with a quieted mind, and then let's just go let it all hang out. I'm looking at Todd's numbers. I guess this means we can stop talking about 
a healthy Todd, right? I would, yes, I think so. I think yeah. he looked pretty healthy. He looked pretty, pretty explosive. And and I thought, you know, down the stretch to be able to close out the game, Demarco, with those two tough runs, he had some really physical runs, running through some arm tackles, and you see the explosion and the burst once he gets on the second and third level. And to have fourteen for ninety seven is pretty good. <laughs> Coach McFay's show presented by In-N-Out. In-N-Out, that's what a hamburger is all about. With Sean, with DeMarco, I'm JB. Where do you fall on the uh, pass interference rule that came out of your last meeting with the Saints? I know you, like so many coaches, thoroughly vetted it to the extent that you could with your challenge flags in the preseason. Do you feel like you have a firm grasp of where we are as a league and how we treat that? We do. And and most importantly, it's really about let's let's avoid the clear and obvious and the egregious penalties. And, you know, for us, we, we don't shy away from the fact that the, the situation that ended up helping our team or being a positive play for our team is really what was kind of the intricate part and really the the, the the play that ended up really kind of leading to this this rule change, if you will. But I think ultimately, at the end of the day, what all 32 teams want is consistency in the way that things are being officiated. We want clarity in terms of how it's going to be called, and that's all you can really ask for. And I think we've gotten we've gotten that. I think uh, the league office and Al Riveron have done a nice job really through this first week, and, and hopefully that will continue on as the season progresses. Thinking back to that NFC Championship game, I spoke with Tyler Higby earlier today, and with the contract extension, it was a nice reminder of how you view and utilize your tight ends within this building, even if they're not going at the top of fantasy draft boards You know, in the previous month. Those two in particular in that game, you wouldn't have advanced to the Super Bowl without them. No doubt, and and really, those guys continued to become more and more important. Uh, and what I wouldn't even say more and more important, they got a little bit more involved on the stat sheet. I guess yeah. is is a better way of articulating that. But they're very, very important to us. You know, Tyler had a, had a great game yesterday, had some big catches, but he also did a great job. You know, without the ball in his hands, whether that's competing in the run game, doing some things protection wise. Uh, Gerald Everett, in a lot of instances, did the same. I mean, you look at the third down and one that Todd had a great mm-hmm. run on. Watch the way those two collapsed the edge to enable that ball to bounce out to the side. Gerald had a big third down catch where he kind of double caught it in traffic and, and he showed the elite hands that he has. And and Tyler, uh, you know, we, we appreciate Tyler a whole lot in this building and that's why, you know, you see him rewarded with the contract extension that he felt that we felt like he was more than deserving of. Looked like Goff threw that one angry. That was a dodgeball throw on the touchdown. Oh yeah. yeah. No, he he fitted in there tight. You gotta let you can't let those zoning defenders collapse on it, man. He stuck that right on his stomach and it was a great catch by Tyler. What's it like as a head coach to have one, you know, behind you in, in terms of everything in a new season is a bit unknown. You think you know who you are and what you have and what might be ahead. Uh, but is that perspective in a little bit sharper focus having been to Carolina and back now? I think it's just great to, to you know, like you said, have gotten the season off on the right foot like we want and, and, the positive thing is is to be able to have all those things occur uh, with so many things that we can continue to correct. It's much easier to correct, and people are more receptive to that. In spite of you know when you end up winning, as opposed to you know feeling like uh, you know okay let's let's you know naturally human inclination you're a little more sensitive when you don't get the accomplishment you know you don't accomplish the goal you want. But our players have always been great about you know responding to you know we talk about coaching isn't condemning it's correcting, and and we want to do it in a positive and an authentic way and um, you know yesterday provided even though we did get the win there's a lot of teaching moments and teaching opportunities not exclusive to just players but for us as coaches as well you talk about using timeouts the right way you talk about making some decisions in the game some of the play calls that we have really in all three phases and and that's what you love so much about it is because uh, you know you never let the complacency set in and you're always getting a chance to learn 
I think that's true of the quarterback position as much as any other. I mean, when Jared goes through an entire offseason wearing a red jersey, knowing he's not going to be hit, knowing not, someone's not going to slop the ball out of his hands, in terms of what he has to contend with on game day versus what he's been practicing these last six months. Yeah, there's no way of, of truly emulating a live rush where you can get tackled. In the back of your mind, you know, in practice settings, you always know, uh, you know, th- those guys are off limits. So I think there's, uh, you know, there's a definite difference to that. I think those are one of the things that really separates the good ones from the great ones the ability to keep your eyes down the field not watch the rush be able to move and manipulate the pocket based on how that rush disperses and make those throws you know I thought one of his best throws of the day was the third down and two to Cooper Cup where he's got a rusher you know Havenstein does a great job fighting through the down and he's basically got a a, you know traffic on his feet where he can't get through and it's all shoulder turn out to the right flat and Cup made a little little option route but you know that's where you see the special arm talent the ability to to throw without necessarily needing to get your feet through that's why cooper's middle name is third down and no doubt there you go. Good, <laughs> I like to, it. good to have him back yes, in those sir. situations isn't it tomorrow absolutely i did he's he just makes such a big difference out there you know it's it seems like you're playing with 12 sometimes when he's out there yeah it's it's great to have him back great football player uh a great dad and great guy i mean what more can you say you you, you love cooper cup and we're sure, sure glad to have him back healthy and ready to roll there are still tickets available for this Sunday's home opener against the Saints, and you can secure your seats by visiting the Rams.com slash NO. The Rams.com slash NO, the NFC Championship rematch at the Coliseum Sunday with kickoff at 125. Uh, coming up next, Lakers talk with Alan Sliwa for DeMarco Farr. I'm JB Longshawn. Great to see you. Congratulations on the opening win. Looking forward to our next conversation. Thank you, guys. Always good to be here. And thank you for being with us tonight on ESPN LA 710.